Thanks for listening. My name is Kentucky Costello, and this is the Wild East Women interview series. In honor of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, it is my honor to interview Vaughn Tron. Vaughn is the Education Network Coordinator for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. Vaughn is also a longtime Appalachian Trail section hiker and took me on my very first backpacking trip. Hey Vaughn, thank you so much for being willing to be my interviewee for the month of May. Um, I am so excited to ask you lots of questions and hear um, about some of your experiences in the outdoors. Um, You and I have been friends for many, many years, and you are someone who um, has inspired me a lot personally um, to get outdoors and do um, backpacking trips and things that I uh, had never done before. You were the first person to ever take me backpacking, um, which was uh, super fun in North Carolina. And I feel like I've learned a lot from you um, on the trail and off the trail. Um, And so I thought interviewing you would be absolutely perfect for the Wild East Women interview series. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kentucky. It's just really sweet uh, to be able to uh, well, it's an honor to speak uh, on behalf of Wild East Women, but also to share this conversation with you, considering we've just shared a lot of great memories on and off the trail. So thanks for having me. Yay. All right. So first, could you give us an introduction of yourself, including where you live and your profession? Yes. So my name is Vaughn Tron. Um or at least that's how I like to pronounce it in my anglicized version. My real name is Vong Chung. Um, and I currently reside in Vero Beach, Florida, ancestral lands of the Seminoles. Um, and I'm originally from Gainesville, which is three hours north in north central Florida. Um, and I am the Education Network Coordinator for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. Awesome. So I kind of want to start way back when to, you know, like baby Vaughn. Um, What's your first memory of the outdoors? Yeah, so I I love that question. And it's funny to tap into your baby memories. And I can really just remember my hands reaching out. And, you know, the outdoors has different... I wish I could say that I was like, my parents had me hiking on a trail in like rugged terrain on a mountain. But the story of being born to, um, as a first generation American citizen to immigrant parents is more so those smaller backyard memories. And so I actually remember helping my dad pot, plant and pick um, peppers uh, in his backyard in our backyard in his garden and those peppers were actually seeds that were sent from a relative in Vietnam and so actually I'm like terribly allergic to chilies and I think it's because I got exposed to chili peppers at too young of an age but it was just really sweet though just to be out in the garden with him and um, he worked really hard so he had very minimal time outside and so it was it was I just even remember even then when I was younger realizing that it was like the thought that it was like a privilege and a rare opportunity to be able to spend time outside with him. So that's my memory. And then I have these other memories just that drift through my mind of my mom holding me during a hailstorm and have holding my hand out from under the awning of our porch. And then of course, a lot of time spent at the beach, which is really sweet. And 
my parents grew up uh, just an hour inland of from the coast in Vietnam. So similarly to me growing up in Gainesville and going over an hour and a half to the coastline. And so it was always just a really special treat to be in the ocean. And I learned how to swim in the ocean, not in a pool. Wow. Uh, yeah, just trying to swim after my dad, who was just laughing and watching me struggle in like little bits of waves. So, <laughs> um, and that makes sense because I love the ocean. I love surfing now. Yeah, I know that about you. That makes a lot of sense that you have such a relationship to the ocean as well. Like learning how to swim in the ocean with your dad sounds like an incredible memory. Like I can't even imagine learning how to swim in the ocean just because there's so much going on. You know, yeah. There's so much going yeah. on in the ocean, so I just focused in on him laughing yeah. at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really sweet. It sounds like you and your dad have shared some really beautiful moments in the outdoors together. Yeah, they, cool. they they've been very few and far between and rare and earlier on, but those are definitely my early memories, and I'm really grateful for that. Cool. And the hailstorm was that in Florida? That was in Florida. I think I was a toddler, and my mom was stunned. I don't think they'd ever seen hail before. Um, So, yeah, that was like a a rare hailstorm in Florida in the winter or something. Wow, interesting. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, So, what is your relationship to the Appalachian Trail and other public lands and outdoor places? Yeah, so um, I... um, I well, currently I, I consider myself to be an advocate and steward of the Appalachian Trail, especially as a representative and staff member of the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. But my relationship to the AT is that I've been a section hiker um, primarily on the AT, um, and I it, it's the beginnings of many things. I, I know that's a, a question coming up, but. Um, I, I find it to be a place where I have grown the most and have really come to understand myself. Um, I think it, it holds so much historic and significant like environmental legacy and cultural legacy. Um, and um, I see it as such an important passageway uh, uh, for many and uh, a major um, natural respite and sanctuary, um, especially on the East Coast where we have have we have encroaching development and not so much free open space. And then in terms of my relationship to public lands, uh, I am definitely a public land advocate. I'm a, I find myself. Um, I've recently really dived into the history of public lands and just really tried to acknowledge that it's it's a part of a, a deeper, more complex history of the United States. And so understanding how lands have been uh, determined and designated in the decision-making process to protect them and understanding that broader context that if there were also historical and cultural context at play, um, I feel like I'm even, um, I feel I'm a public lands advocate and enthusiast, but I also think that I am learning exactly what that term means for me 
and also stepping outside of my perspective to understand how that how how those lands um, the relationship of land, those lands with others and the deeper history related to them. Absolutely, it's definitely a complicated sort of. It's a complicated relationship to have, um, especially as both you know both of us are are people who came who our families came from other places, um, and so this not necessarily being um, I mean it is our homeland in in the sense of the word of like we were you know we're here we've grown up here, but the the complex history of all of the political um takings of of the land from the people who were the original inhabitants and how how complicated that can be and wanting to I find myself wanting to celebrate public lands but with with almost sort of a somber sort of respect and understanding that um of how those became public lands Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I'm a humble user and yeah. advocate of public lands, but with many tears that I'm still learning of acknowledgement. Yeah, of totally. What that means. That's a, I think that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, cool. All right, awesome. So what drew you to the Appalachian Trail? What drew you to become a section hiker? So what drew me is just really a uh, a random college plan is what really comes down to and it was so ambitious and I'm so grateful for it and actually it's fascinating that we're that we're having this interview on this date because it was uh around this time leading up to my 18th 19th birth 18th birthday um that I was uh, on the AT for the first time, and I was introduced to even hiking. It was my first time in the mountains, my first time hiking, my first time backcountry camping, everything. And it was just, um, I had friends from high school who w- went on into college with me, and a friend of mine had actually participated in an SEA trail crew as a teenager, so Student Conservation Association, I believe. But he was he did um, maintenance work on the AT in a stretch in Virginia, and little did we know, it was the roller coaster section. So it was just not meant for Florida newbie beginners, but it was awesome because of it. And I can't, and so at that time, I was really having some serious identity crises. Uh, you know, I was just soul searching. I didn't quite feel comfortable in my own skin in many ways and uh, didn't have a clear um, sense of belonging and like sense of self worth. And <clears throat> With that, I was—I remember uh, I had never really spent time outside and felt, and um, so that was like a, a a huge gateway to like all of this newfound confidence and identity. Um, but I had—we had all cotton clothing. I was given a back a school pack, so I think it was only like twenty liters, and it, luckily it had a hip belt. I was about to go into it with a Jan Sport ten liter bag. I had no idea what I was doing. I had a little. T- thin airplane space, uh, a fleece blanket and a yoga mat, which is not inflating. Um, and I also somehow managed to hide behind a shelter and put on makeup every day. Cause that's where I was at. And I, I do not, I think people should wear whatever they want to wear and express themselves and not be as makeup, but just a way of just emphasizing, enhancing the features they love. But for me, my relationship to makeup was not healthy. And it was thinking that I was insufficient in that with who, how I look naturally. So there was just a lot going on there. Um, and it was me and three friends and we hiked for 
five days. <laughs> I forget what how many miles we covered. Not as many as planned because you know, <laughs> for me it's just like uh, a huge wake up call. I remember we were summiting a mountain. I think we were going up to about. Ah, it's been so long, so I just can't remember the elevation. But I, uh, my butt was so sore. It was like day three, and I was just screaming like gluteus maximus, like in gladiator, just screaming at my butt muscles <laughs> to keep going. Um, I also remember being up uh, high at a, a, a shelter, uh, like right up at a summit, and. Uh, being so cold because it's like early May and I'm just and I'm just all I have is a fleece blanket and non-insulating very heavy yoga mat and I remember having a, the first and only dream of um, dreaming of my comfort at home under a white light at the end of a dark endless tunnel that I couldn't access and so <laughs> that was my gateway into the AT but that was amazing because it was right during peak trail days we had so many through hikers around us. I'd never heard of through hiking before. I I learned so much in these few five days, um, and it was just like a new way of living and being, and of of having shared experience that I'd never been exposed to before. And it changed me. And after that, I after that trip, I joined the like outdoor rec club at at the university and just plunged right in and started planning my own hiking trips in the AT. So since then, I have section hiked about a week or two. I went on a, a very, a nice stretch where I think for seven or six or seven years straight, I managed to hike for a week or two each year. And that's the best thing I could do. I, I wish I could say that I'm a through hiker. Ho hopefully that I can through hike it one day, but I also am proud of the fact that I've managed to uh, travel up from Florida and section hike and um, managed it um, as someone who's worked full time since um, high school. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that uh, you make it, you make every journey what you can for yourself. And so um, I have done many stretches from Georgia into North Carolina, Tennessee and throughout Virginia. Maryland and Pennsylvania and luckily I, I feel very fortunate that for some of that I was able to do through a summer camp that I worked at um, they had a tradition of each summer taking some of their oldest campers um, on a two-week hiking trip on the AT so I, I was able to get them past the halfway point on the AT nice very cool that sounds like a really amazing a like, I can't believe that we are talking on the anniversary of your first time on the Appalachian Trail or in the mountains. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. um, that's so cool. And two, I it's so cool that you were exposed to the Appalachian Trail and to mountaineering and backpacking, like, as an 18-year-old. Like, that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I guess that was a moment ago. <laughs> yeah I mean totally uh, yeah it is it was a moment ago because like I think about like the number of years that I have been doing like backpacking and and really camping in the outdoors and then thinking about what if I would have started at like 18 like the amount of skills like that you've probably accumulated over that time is just like incredible it's awesome um cool do you have a trail name I do. You um, do? My trail, my trail name is Nemo. 
and I really love it for so many reasons. So I know folks are hearing my voice, but I'm a little person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty small and petite, and so that's kind of striking because my pack's almost, it looks vis- visually like the same size as me at times for some folks. And um, I got the trail name from my campers. Well, it's interesting. I got it twice. So I was on a hike, a separate hike, not on the AT, but on the Mountain to Sea Trail in Pisgah with uh, a group of my college friends. And we were we were hiking in snow and I kept post-holing, which is when you fall through the snow. Um, um, and I just had to acknowledge it was one of my first, this was, a, I was about 1920. So it was when I, and I can dive into this more, like this identity of what it, what it's like this, this common notion that people hold on to of what a hiker's supposed to be. And um, I, it was one of my first wake up calls that I can also request help in the, if it's available and I can't always carry all my weight. Um, uh, and so I remember postaling in the snow and just kind of almost wanting to tear up and being like, I need somebody to take, help me take some weight off my pack. Um, this is too hard to do right now. Mm. And my, friend my best friend at the time uh he 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 brought up to the groups like should we call von nemo because she might not be able to swim as fast because of her little fin and it was just like a little joke but it was just it was it was a nice lighthearted thing because i was just being too heavy about it and it's just like you know i just i might have a little fin situation happening and that's okay but but then that following summer i hadn't really held on to that but i actually um so I was leading my, my summer campers uh, on the AT through Maryland at the time, and um, I wasn't feeling great that day. I think I was having stomach issues, and I I told I, I another co-counselor with me, and I just told them, like, go ahead. I'll hang out in the back. I normally hiked with some of the slower campers, but they were feeling fit as fiddles that day. So I was just kind of going a little slower, and I was uh, get, verging on, like, maybe a quarter mile behind them. And I was just casually stepping down a rock and slipped and last minute grabbed onto a branch and like just somehow just hyperextended something in my arm and shoulder. So luckily the outdoor group that I was part of in, in college um, prepared me and I was able to take a wellness first responder. So I knew that it wasn't too critical, but I knew how to make a sling for myself. Um, but there was this moment, it took me a moment because I really had to breathe into the injury and just calm down for a second. So they were starting, my group was waiting at our snack break for, and just starting to feel alarmed and, and, uh, and unsure about where I was. So, so there, the talk was like, should we go back and search for Vaughn? And then I came up and uh, I happened to be wearing like uh, the clownfish colors that day like black white and some orange and i truly came up with like a little fin and one of my campers was like well there's little nemo and it was just <laughs> like you're about to call a search party for you not just now nemo and so that really stuck and so my yeah name is nemo. I, I really like that identity and i haven't gone by it in a while so that's yeah. adorable and yeah that's i love that and i can definitely say I can vouch that your pack at some times does look very like almost equal to your stature, but yeah. I'm always I'm, I'm always very impressed by when we've done when we've like you know done group backpacking trips how much you are able to 
pack and contribute to the group. You know, it's like, I don't know. Like, I hear I hear you saying that you identify with Nemo. And also, like, I think of you as, like, one of the strongest, toughest people on the trail that I know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, like, there was a time that I hurt my knee or something and you just were like, I got you. And you just, like, grabbed a bunch of stuff out of my pack and you were able to, like, help me. I don't know. It's just, like... I think of you as just so, so strong. Um, so what do you most value about spending time in the outdoors? So uh, I think from like the first, the first moment I was exposed to it on the AT when I was 18, what I most value is you step out of these day-to-day social constructs and these day-to-day things that kind of, uh, truly wall you up and hold, holds you, um, that, that confine you and to the point where you think you feel confined to that identity. Um, and so when I'm outside and in nature, I even if it's just giving myself a five minute walk during the work day, I just immediately settle back into this plate, this sense of being and mental state that where I feel like I, I come back to a sense of gratitude. I see that I'm, uh, those petty things that are building up are still small in the grand scheme of this gorgeous and complex universe. I see how things naturally balance out and how there are elements outside of my control. And I have that freedom and that breath, that fresh air to just take a breath and, and, um, and just acknowledge that the, you know, it's all about your perspective and how you choose to respond. And I just think that when I'm outside, nature provides that insight um, in so many subtle and then gorgeous, glaring ways. So uh, that's my favorite thing with being outside is that um, it's that perspective shift that is so vital. Yeah, totally. I agree. In one of my previous interviews in the Wild East Women, like I asked that for each interviewee and I think it was with with Val Justice, my coworker at REI. She was just saying like, nature doesn't judge you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you it in that that in and of itself. Like you kind of spoke to like the social constructs that we experience like in our daily lives and how like y- you can go out into nature and it's like it is a perspective shift because there the like everything else melts away, and yeah. it's just a really powerful thing. So what changes are you working toward in your life? Very similar to what I'm saying. And so I really seek out nature to help guide me in that. And um, also my deep relationships with friends, uh, holding myself accountable to coworkers. And then uh, I am all for mental health awareness and seeing a therapist uh, and reaching out. And so my the biggest changes for me is really learning how to validate my feelings but take hold of my emotions and uh, uh, take ownership for my perspective and how I choose to respond to day-to-day uh, situations. And so um, things that help me hold myself accountable and become self-aware are very linked to my time spent outside because I get into a flow and uh, a state of natural focus that just kind of helps me recenter and reground but just staying just more grounded and centered as a person (laughs) Um, and when I'm able to do that I can be more available for others which I just really care about awesome (laughs) just being able to have really authentic connections totally the first part of that is being present and being present with yourself 
Yeah, for sure. Being present with yourself so you can be present with others. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, how can women support each other on the trail? By I I will. Um, I am all for being just naturally just being on each other's team and cheering each other on. Um, being honing in on the ability to be perceptive and um, also anticipate needs and. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think a, a lot in a lot of <clears throat> socially constructed modern society, uh, women are really pitted against each other and there's a sense of, uh, competition and a lot of insecurities that tie into that. And I think that, um, on that same vein that you mentioned that nature doesn't judge you, nature allows you to see uh, other outlets for not judging yourselves and each other. Um, and so I think just being each other's cheerleaders and being each other's advocates, really, um, because it's it's a very vulnerable thing to be hiking on the trail, and especially someone who identifies as female and uh, at times. And so just finding ways to uh, really stand up for each other and respect each other and um, support each other is, I think, vital. Uh, for ensuring that everyone can feel as welcome, safe, and included, on, uh, have an inclusive experience on the trail as possible. Awesome, I agree. I think that was a good way of saying it. An inclusive, an inclusive experience as possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Okay, this is switching it up a little bit, but what is your favorite piece of gear? I. Uh, I love, love how your face just lit up. Yeah. <laughs> your face just lit up. <laughs> the headlamp. Just, I'm such a proponent for headlamps. I carry my headlamp everywhere. And, you know, even <laughs> if I can wedge it into my fancy pack, it's like you never know when you need light. Um, I was in the shower the other day, and the power went out, which is a very vulnerable place to be. And I knew I, I knew where my headlamp was, and I traveled through the dark to get there and also it's like hands-free light you never know when you need it so yeah I uh, think that's my favorite piece of gear <laughs> awesome what kind of headlamp do you have so I also know you know although I always know where my headlamp is I take it everywhere with me so I'm gonna break it and I actually love the Energizer headlamps I like that they have a red light option and they're affordable yeah nice very cool and I break them quite often yeah <laughs> Awesome. Do you have any advice for uh, newbies that are hitting the trail for the first time? Yeah. So I I think that doing your research for where you're going and also what kind of equipment you need is very important. But I think that as in addition to planning ahead and being prepared, also not putting pressure on yourself to get brand new gear that you haven't really had a chance to truly test out and just letting yourself settle for those those thrifted items borrowed items and really seeing what works for you and your body and your budget um i think that ultralight equipment is incredible and so helpful but it comes with access and means. And so I think hiking your own hike within your means is really crucial. Um, and so I like to do a lot of research, but I also am just really happy that I had 
I, I, I made do with a, 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 a pack that I, I found for really cheap at a thrift store. And I did that for many section hikes. And then I realized what worked for my body and got an even better one when I was able to save up for it. But I'm glad I didn't rush into it because I rushed into a lot of other gear that didn't serve me. And I think I was just trying to meet a norm that wasn't my norm. Um, another piece of advice, you might have a favorite color, but you you want to maybe want to reconsider getting all sorts of gear and clothing in that same color because you start to look like a giant leaf if you're an all green. <laughs> <laughs> and so that happened for a while where I was like, I should have really switched it up a little bit. There's a whole lot of green happening to this now jean bottle, my backpack, and my entire outfit. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I love that. You look like a giant leaf. That's so good. I love that. Awesome. Well, those are all the questions that I have for you. Is there anything else additional you'd like to add? Um, I, I just um, encourage folks to, uh, to get outside and just, it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be um, to identify someone who's outdoorsly does not have to mean that you're uh a like an a uh a, a, a sorry like a a long distance hiker or an extreme sports enthusiast so you can also identify with being an outdoor enthusiast if you're a birder or just enjoy gardening or enjoy going on long walks in your neighborhood um or going to your local park and i think that um that your any your connection to nature is your connection and and uh, if there's any way that you can set time to just get out of your those those four walls of your home or office or wherever you are where you might feel start to feel confined and a little bit dull um i think just allowing yourself some time and space to just to be outside is just crucial whatever whatever way that is Thanks for listening. This concludes another episode of the Wild East Women podcast series. To find out more about the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, check out AppalachianTrail.org. To get involved with Wild East Women, please check us out on our website at www.wildeastwomen.org or on our social media at Wild East Women on Facebook and Instagram. Talk to you next time.